Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. It's a three. In and out. Rebound. Payton. Out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. Of the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the break. Here's Kevin Dana. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome you to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Taking your call all hour long. Taking your calls all hour long. 888-957-9570. Reminding you that the Warriors 2023-24 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. I'm Kevin Dana alongside Gary St. Jean and uh, just a little to get to from last night's game. Uh, I don't think you can uh, really characterize it any other way than a disastrous loss to the Sacramento Kings. I mean, I know it's game 18 of a season, but a blown 24-point lead, turnovers in the final minutes, excessive fouling, a technical foul at a bad time, a lucky shot to lose, a questionable challenge, uh, some substitution questions as well. I mean, it is as about as bad of a loss as you can have on November 28th. Well, nice summation, Kev. And uh, you and I have been gone for two weeks and a lot to talk about, but uh, prevailing throughout these two weeks are the two key points that Steve Kerr has been talking about since training camp. And that's committing falls and turning the ball over. And we've seen games like when they played Phoenix where they put them on the line 50-something times and you know, last night, your own worst enemy with the turnovers. Um, it just a, it's a discouraging loss. There isn't any doubt about it because you really had good control of the game. And, uh, you know, you let it slip by. Slip by. Yeah, we're we're going to get into all of it, but let's start with kind of the big picture thing, the blown 24-point lead. It was 72-48 to 48 in the final minute and change of the first half. And a lot of big comebacks, if you look back at them, you can track to a mini run at the end of a quarter, end of a half, that yeah. gives a team new life. And Sacramento ended that first half on a 7 nothing run. And I think it was partly, not all of this spurred by, but partly spurred by what Stan Van Gundy on the broadcast talked about last night, a two-for-none, where Golden State <laughs> kind of rushed to get up two bad shots instead of one good one just so they can get an extra shot. And look, I know anytime Steph Curry touches the ball and, and takes a shot, it's normally a good shot, but he put one up from 40 just so they could have like a six to seven second differential. And so he rushed up that 40 footer. Then there's a bad turnover. It leads to a layup for Sacramento. And all of a sudden, 17 doesn't sound too bad considering you were down 24 just a minute ago. Oh, without a doubt. And, and you know, that's just decision making. And, uh, you know, you could say you're doing that because you're thinking about the play in thing and all that kind of thing. But you know, that's the greatest shooter we've ever had in the game. And uh, then they turn it around with some good play. And I can tell you a quick story. When I was with Nelly, we were playing the Washington uh, Bullets back then. And a guy named Jeff Lamp, we had a, we called it a need situation where you need to get a shot up. Normally, if the clock is at 33, 34, 35, you do that because you give yourself another chance. Minus the 24, you got time when you get home. So uh, the guy didn't do it, and he cut him on the bus. Huh. See ya. Just like Say that. Goodbye. Say goodbye to Jeff, fellas. <laughs> so, so that's that's the old days. Uh, but I, I, I will tell you, and, and, and a lot of this stuff, 
you know, I, I thought, you know, we've got a lot of critics going on about, about uh, Clay and a lot of critics about Wiggins. Well, you look at Clay and Wiggins and, and uh, Steph, you look at their lines, you know, they, they were really good last night. You just didn't get much up front. And, uh, you know, you can decide, dissect this a ton of du- with different ways. Um, you know, I, I just, you can't keep making the same mistakes. You know, smart people listen and then you react and take care of business. You just can't keep doing this stuff. And it's going to bite you in the foot. There's no doubt about it. Well, it certainly bit them in the foot last night. There's no doubt about it. Let's move on to the turnovers, Gary, because to me, the in-season tournament was lost in the last two minutes of the San Antonio game, and then, of course, the last two minutes is is Sacramento. Because think about it. They're up 15 against San Antonio with, like, under three minutes to go, and they had to eke that one out. I mean, I, I think San Antonio cut that to three at one point. So if they just held serve the final two, three minutes of that game, they win that by 15 instead of six. So they're a plus, that would make them, what, a plus 14 instead yep. of a plus five. So they would only have had to needed to win the Sacramento game by eight in, instead of 12. And, and, you know, two possessions there, that, that that's pretty big. And, and also... Candace Parker in the postgame show on TNT mentioned how perhaps point differential played into Golden State's thinking yes. a little late and how it could have sped them up because it looked like Golden State up in the final minute were trying to go for some quick hitters to, yes. to perhaps expand that lead. Well, and, and you know, Candace and a couple people have talked about the fact that the league is going to have to look at this, whether they want to keep that in there. Because, God, uh, earlier in the night, you, you know, you had Billy Donovan all upset with Mazzullo. Because the Celtics were up 28, and they had the starters in there, and they took a foul uh, to get the ball back. So it isn't what you're used to seeing in the NBA. When there's a substantial lead out of respect to the opponent, you don't keep shooting. You hold on to the ball. And we're seeing counter to that. And guys are having a tough time because they're sensitive about it. And, uh, you know, no better example than last night. You're trying to get things done quickly. But, you know, a a smart move by... um, by Sacramento and Mike Brown, a little token three-quarter court pressure, and the ball gets into the front court, and the pass from uh, from Steph to Clay, they stole it uh, because Clay kind of stood there, and then the next possession, you're in the half court, and Draymond's got it, and he thinks that I think it was uh, Clay who was going to cut to the toward the baseline, and he kept coming up, so they had a another turnover there. And, you know, these guys are Hall of Famers, and you're seeing these plays, and, you know, it's kind of, you just shake your head. So the last 2.30 of the San Antonio game, the Warriors turned it over five times. In the last three minutes of the Sacramento game last night, they turned it over three times. Obviously, this isn't a new theme for Golden State. They've always had turnover issues, but they were certainly glaring in their last two in-season tournament games. I want to go back to the point you made about the point differential, because I love the point differential. I I love that there's a little something extra on it. I thought it was pretty pretty funny to see the, the Celtics put Andre Drummond at the line up 20 plus to try <laughs> to run up the score. I, 
I am a fan of it. I know a lot, I've seen a lot of talk on social media that fans don't necessarily like the point differential. I'm all for it. This is how like standings are decided in Europe as a tiebreaker. Uh, so it's used elsewhere. And I know maybe basketball, you know, point differential is different from goal differential in soccer when there's a lot of one or two goal games. Like There's a lot more variance in the final score of a basketball game. But I'm a fan of it. What, what do you think of the point differential, Gary? Well, I, I like it because it's, it's something new and uh, something for the fans to d- digest. And this thing's here to stay because I think the, the players like it. And uh, there's a lot more energy. And, and the players, the, the, the fans are really liking it. Uh, there's any doubt in my mind. So they'll tweak it. Uh, somebody today said, uh, pl- make it like the NCAA, one and done. Uh, I don't know if they could conceivably do that. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's something different. It's, it's good uh, to stimulate the game. and uh, So we're, we're going we're gonna to see it. It's going to stay there. Maybe they could do it when they expand to 32 teams, get Seattle and Vegas, ah, and the league, then you would you have go. a pure bracket. I think the one drawback of that is that you would have – less of your regular season dedicated to the in-season term. And the point is to make November special, right? So, like, for some teams, it's one game that they're playing for as opposed to four right off the bat that have a little extra uh, juice to squeeze from it. But you you mentioned the fans like it. This just came out from NBA Communications on on X, the November 28th Kings-Warriors matchup on TNT, the most-watched group play game of the NBA in-season tournament, averaged 2 million viewers, and it's a 93% rise uh, compared to last wow. year's comparable window. So, yeah, the fans are, are definitely all in for the most part. I have one friend who, who's kind of a, a traditionalist and kind of a curmudgeon who, 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 who's not the biggest fan of the in-season tournament, but I think media members and a lot of fans really do love this. Well, I'll tell you something. The Kings are in it, and uh, yep. this rivalry is here to stay now. I, I'm is. loving this. Uh you know, for three quarters, Fox and Sabonis had been held in check. They didn't yep. do much. And uh, I think Fox was 8 for 16 from the free throw line. And uh, you're saying, geez, this is, this is really terrific. And then Fox got going. He's one of the best fourth quarter players in the league. Crunch time. And, uh, you know, it's great for up there. It really, really is. They're, they're really fired up. And... Uh, so I, I, I just I just think it's fun. I know like I'm not coaching and uh so for me, you know, I, I enjoyed watching the game. I, I thought it was great. How would you have liked to have coached in the in season tournament? Uh I think I would have liked it because it's a change, you know, and people are criticizing Steve about uh about Moody and all that kind of thing and uh you know, I, I can see their, their their thoughts. Um I'm crazy. You know, you know what I would have done? I would have moved uh, Wiggins to four, uh, Moody to three, Clay to two, and Curry to one. And that would have served, solved the problem. I would have went small, smaller, smallest. <laughs> and, and kept Draymond as your five? Yeah, because Looney wasn't doing anything. All right, we, we're going to get into that a little bit more on the other side of the break. Right now, we need to let you know to not miss out on your chance to see the Harlem Globetrotters 2024 World Tour live at Chase Center on Saturday, January 13th. Tickets on sale now at ChaseCenter.com. We're going to take a break, come back, talk more about this devastating loss to the Kings last night, a heartbreaker for sure, right here on 95.7 The Game. Each and every member of Dub Nation has a seat in 
If everybody would please take your seats. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. Tis the season to celebrate the Warriors with new Holiday Hoops mini plans. Packages include an NBA League Pass special offer. Call 888-GSW-HOOP or visit warriors.com to learn more. We welcome you back inside Warriors Roundtable. Kevin Dan and Gary St. Jean taking your calls from now till 7 p.m. 888-957-9570. And, and Coach... You were just talking about it uh, on the Moses Moody situation last night. He was on a roll, 11 points, perfect 4 of 4, in the first 7 minutes and 34 seconds of the fourth quarter before getting pulled with 426 left for Andrew Wiggins. Now, Steve Kerr just joined Willard and Dibbs on 95-7 the game, and this is what he had to say about making that decision to, to stick with the clay over Moody and taking Moody out of the game. Should have left Moses in the game. You know, Moses um, hits three threes, and he's rolling, and, you know, we decided. We kind of overthought it. We wanted to get our best defensive group on the floor. Um, but um, Moses was was really good defensively, and uh, you know, watching the tape over again, it's like that was that was really a terrible decision, and I, I should have left him out there at least for a couple more minutes, and, and uh, you know, I, I regret that one. Hey, Kev, you know what? I'm listening to that, and and that's just telling the truth. And coaches make mistakes. His staffs make mistakes. And uh, he admitted it. He was spot on. And then you you move on. So those things are going to happen. Yeah, so... Uh, obviously, one decision he would like back. I know that in real time, if you saw the reaction on social media, pretty much everyone was like, why is Moody coming out of this game? And look, personally, I would have rolled with Moody, too. I, I do yeah. understand why Kerr went with Wiggins. He was having a great game, 29-10, and 10, one of his two best games all year. He had the 31-point game against Oklahoma City a few games back. Uh, you know, Clay was also having a pretty good game. Yeah, I didn't think about the going super small lineup that, that you suggested, Gary, that that sounds like, in retrospect, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. That would have been an interesting lineup to watch down the stretch for sure. And I literally said to myself, don't pull Moody when I saw Wiggins coming on. I was like, anybody but Moses. Because, well, look, when yeah, he has right. the opportunity, I, 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 Moses yeah, can play well. You're, you're right in what you're saying. And, and Steve wanted to get his best defensive uh, team out there. And, you know, it was, it was Wiggins' best game, without a doubt. But the one aspect they've been doing better in recently for me is rebounding. And if you yeah. go small, you get rewarded and stay small if, in fact, you rebound. If you don't rebound and they punish you, then sorry, fellas, we got to go back conventional. Yeah, and look, there's other thing. One other thing I want to discuss with respect to the Kerr decision to stick with his vets. I feel like that's kind of become the theme the last 24 hours that Kerr always going to stick with his vets to yeah. to the death. I'm. I, I think we just saw two games ago though that he is a little more malleable than just sticking with his vets. Because remember the Phoenix Suns game, like they were getting blown out. The young guys, Guy Santos was one of those guys on the floor in the fourth quarter to bring them back in the game. That was a one-two possession game late. And when it was a game in the last yeah. two minutes, he didn't come back with Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. He, he stuck with the guys that got him there. Well, there's an unwritten rule in, in the coaching book. You, when you pull your, your starters and you put the young guys in there and you're getting blown out, 
and they bring you back, you leave them in there. And they've earned it. And I think the vets would agree with that too. So that that was different than, than this game because it was late game and it yeah. was close. And, uh, you know, they'll look at it. And I, I'm going to tell you something. Tell me who the heck you would have put in. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about in that Phoenix game? So so what so what I'm no, but with this game last night, yeah. Kaminga's gotta be better. Yeah. Not good enough. And we finally got a, a nice game out of uh, out of Wiggins. And at the end of the day, you and I have been saying this for two months. If this team is gonna get rolling, if they're gonna play at a high level, those two guys are your two best athletes and they gotta pl- play at a higher level. And they're very capable of doing it. And I don't know what, what's going on with them, but it's discouraging. Yeah, no, it's definitely discouraging. Another thing that's discouraging is the fouling for Golden State. We oh. touched on it a little bit up top. But Golden State committed 31 fouls, which led to 42 wow. free throws for Sacramento. And in respect, Golden State was lucky to still be in the game because yes. Sacramento went 27-42. Yes. And, Kev, you know what? You know, they're just ticky-tack. They know better. Yeah. You know, you play with the hands high, you know, all the coaching sayings. And you know what? You, you get down instead of standing up and, and know KYOP, know your personnel. Yep. And, uh, you know, you got to know when you got a crowd, when you got to get off, and what you're going to do on the glass and off the ball and on the ball. And that definitely gets you beat. And what's been the trademark of this team? It's the ability to speed the game up and get in the open floor. Yep. And if you keep putting them on the free throw line, it's slowing the game down. That game last night lasted an eternity. Yeah, I mean, you would have thought the game started at 7.30 by the time the game actually finished. If you had just turned on TNT at 10 o'clock, you'd be like, oh, this must have been a 7.30 tip. No, it was a 7 p.m. tip, probably tipped actually around 7.10. But, I mean, that third quarter especially, I mean, it, it felt like it took a year. Like, it, it just did not stop. And, you know, how about this? We talk about the turnovers and the fouls and how they were an issue last night. From Anthony Slater wrote this in his article. The Warriors are the first team since 2014 yes, to come commit 20 turnovers and allow 40 free throw attempts in the same game. That, that, you know what? The old expression, that'll get you beat. <laughs> yeah, that'll definitely get you beat, and it certainly got Golden State beat last night. The tough one-point loss, 124-123. Another issue last night, so Draymond Green comes back. It's his first game back. Picks up a technical foul in an inopportune time. Now, I thought this was a pretty weak technical foul. Well, I, I don't know how I, you how listen, you Listen, I, I, no, I agree with that. But you know what? As a, I understand the league office, the way, the way they handle stuff. But the officials... They they got it. They can't look to, as to what's gone on in the past. They got to officiate the game that's out there, and I, I thought that technical was uh, was called just because he was Draymond Green. Uh, if it was I, anybody else, yep. I don't think there would have been a, uh, at all been a shot at a technical. I, and 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 Steph kind of implied it too in, in a quote that he had. Yeah, 100% a reputation technical. But what it did do, according to Malik Monk, and we're going to hear this sound from Malik Monk, this is what he had to say after the game about how the Draymond Green technical was a momentum shift for Sacramento. In in the fourth quarter, about three minutes in, when Draymond got his tech, then he fouled, they pulled him. That was a, it felt like at least a big momentum shift. Do you see that as when you guys were able to? Exactly, yep. Yeah, it definitely was the the momentum we we needed. Um, 
from them them slipping up right there. But yeah, we Mike been telling us to stay with it the whole game. Um, and something's gonna happen. Um, make the refs make a call. Um, and we just stuck with it. Stuck with the game plan. And and you know what, Kev, when you look at this, you know the Kings uh, without Murray and. Uh, you know what? They're just, you know, and Mitchell's really struggling to shoot the ball, and I don't even know who Ellis is. And uh, I, I just uh, I like the way they're playing basketball. They're playing hard, playing together, moving the ball. And, you know, it's pretty simple what coaches say to players. Play hard and move the ball. And if you make shots, you're going to win. If you're not going to make shots, it's going to be a long night. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a Sacramento team that's going to win 50-plus games this year. Like, Do you really? Wow. I, I do. Yeah. I do. I mean, they went 48-34 and 34 last year, and I don't yeah. think they got any worse. So, personally, I, I think they're a 50-win team. Did, where, where do you have them? You know what, Kev? I, I'm having a hard time. I got uh, 11 or 12 teams right now for 10 spots. It, it, this yeah. West is brutal. And, you know, we look up there now. And you see Minnesota and uh, OKC, what they're doing is just terrific. You know, the Gobert's come back, and the defense with Minnesota is terrific. And uh, OKC, oh, that Gildress Alexander is is a star, and then Holmgren, maybe rookie of the year. And, you know, you like their other guys, Giddy and Dort and Williams. Uh, Yeah, those are good teams. So you're saying, you know, I think Dallas will come down a little bit. Something will happen down there. But you're saying to yourself, who the heck's coming down? I mean, this thing is is really going to be a heck of a race. It's great for the league. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's definitely at least 11 teams strong looking at the standings right yeah. now. Like, obviously, the Spurs are in rebuilding mode. Portland. Same with Portland. You know, Grizzly, you figure the Grizzlies are 3-13 and right now, but once they get John Morant back, they could kind of make a push there. And then, you know, yeah. Utah off to a slow start, but they've won a, a couple in a row as of late. But you're right. Yeah. This is going to be tough sledding. Yeah, Utah, it surprised me that they're not playing as they, well as they did last year. Now, Kessler's been out. And, yeah. and Markkinen's banged up, but uh, they were t- just a surprise team in the, the whole West last year. Memphis, you know, you can you can say what you want about Adams, and they got uh, is it Hayes that's out? Those those are two bigs, and uh, and I don't think Jaron Jackson's playing real well. Uh, I love Bain, but boy, they're gonna have a lot a lot of territory to make up. <laughs> Maybe they'll get into the nine or ten spot, but. They're digging one big hole, and he's what? He's got another 10 games. He's out. Yeah, he, he suspended the first 25. They played 16, so another yeah. nine games until John Morant could come back. But getting back to the Sacramento game last night, I want to get your opinion on the late challenge that, that Steve Kerr yeah. employed on the Curry leg kick out. Because if you watch that, that, that could very well be a natural shooting motion for Steph. Yeah. He's fading away like his leg's going to jump up. But... To me, that was going to be close to impossible to overturn because they are looking exactly for that kicking motion. And to me, Golden State sure could have used that timeout after Malik Monk's yeah. wild banker went in with seven Without seconds it. left. You know, there's a point of emphasis with the officials on that particular play. And you, you use the example of Reggie Miller because he's the one who started it. And uh, so they put that in there. And they handle that with kid gloves. They, they really do. If it's even close, they call it. And you're right. I mean, it, it could have went the other way and said, you know, he was in Steph Curry's landing space. And, and yeah. disregard, you know, his leg kicked out a little bit. Um, 
You know, you, you, you can watch that play and, and kick it around either way. Now, hey, you can look at the 15 guys behind the bench and who's in charge of the replay with his iPad back there and saying, Coach, you know, challenge it or don't challenge it. And uh, you would have loved to have that timeout. What was there, seven seconds left? Yeah. And advance the ball and, you know, get something a heck of a lot better than what happened. Uh, so it's kind of, it, it's tough. Uh, challenges, boy, oh boy. I mean, there, there's a big debate about taking them early, saving them for late. And, you know, and then, and, and what, what, <laughs> what's kind of difficult is you got your players, you know, they're, they're walking off the floor and they're circling their hand, you know, circling their hand all the time. Yeah, you must yep. get about five or seven of those a game. I yeah. didn't touch them. I didn't touch them. <laughs> and, you know, so it's, 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 not a diff, it's not an easy play to call. Yeah, I mean, how would you feel like if the challenges were around when you were coaching? How do you feel like you would have used them? Would you but, have liked to have had Dad, them at your disposal? We, 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 uh, the more I watch this, look, we had low post play. We, we, had, we had, you know, Patrick Ewing. We had Carl Malone. And I can go on and on. Akeem Olajuwon, Kareem Jabbar. Uh, you know what? The ball went in there. Mike, <laughs> and if it, I, I told you the story about when the guards went in the paint. Yeah. Uh, you better not come back here. And they, and they just <laughs> put you on the floor. And they yeah. told you, you're going down. Had two shots, okay, go to the line. It was, the, you know, that's the way it was. So it's so much more physical. I don't think you could have had it. I, I just don't. It, it, it might have been fisticuffs. I, that, that, yeah. that, that, to me, doesn't fit to that generation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thinking about it in that respect, yeah, you're, you're probably right with, with that. That, that would have uh, introduced a whole other angle for, for, for that era back then. Uh, you know, we haven't even touched on uh, one of the worst things to come out of this game is the injuries to Chris Paul and Gary oh, Payton II. And, and we are aware of a report on Gary Payton yeah. II status. We can, since it hasn't been confirmed by Golden State, since we are Golden State employees, we we cannot comment on that, but it was deemed a right calf injury last night, and then lower left leg soreness for Chris Paul that took him out of the first half. And I mean, even just having Chris Paul available in the mm. fourth quarter in that yes. closing lineup, so those turnovers wouldn't happen, I think would have gone a long way towards Golden State winning that one. Oh, you're spot on, and I, I'm going to tell you if it, if in fact it is a calf tear with uh, Gary Payton, that's four to six weeks. That that's a long one. And he was really starting to get uh, comfortable yeah. and playing really well. I loved when he played with, uh, with Steph. There was just a nice chemistry yes. there. So that's a great defender. Uh, you know, just plays with a lot of heart. And you hope that, you know, here we are dealing with an older player with, uh, with Chris Paul. You know, that it's not too bad. So you're going to miss him. But I will tell you this. Here was a good move by Mike Dunley. Uh, signing Corey Joseph. You know, he, he's a... He's what I call a high-character guy in this league. He's been on yep. a lot of teams, and the one thing you look at with him, he's got a very, very good assist-turnover ratio. And yep. so if he's needed to play some good minutes, uh, I, I think he'll do an admirable job. Uh, I'm a fan of his. So that's why, guys down there, you've got to stay ready. You know, you work with your, you know, uh, all of your three-on-three games and everything else like that, and... Just keep yourself ready because you just never know. There's two guards going down last night. It definitely is going to make for more minutes for Moody. 
Yes, and that would be a good thing, obviously, because whenever Moses Moody gets in there, it seems like he makes plays. But to your point about Corey Joseph, a 3-1 to career assist to turnover ratio, and he's 39% and 41% yes. from deep the previous two seasons he had with Detroit. So he's going to hit open shots, and he's not going to make stupid decisions with the basketball. Yeah, you're, you're spot on, and... Uh... You know, hey, it, it, it's tough, but you got to bounce back. I mean, you know, you just, uh, we're in a marathon here, and uh, you kind of tripped at the uh, six-mile mark, six mile marker. But yeah. uh, you look up, and you're going to play the Clippers tomorrow, and Lord only knows what you're going to get from them. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. That's the mystery team there. I, You know, you now you got Westbrook coming off the bench, and you got Harden, and I, I, I don't know. Uh, Tyrone lose one of the best coaches in the league, and my gosh, what a challenge! Uh, if he makes all this work, uh, you know he he's a, a master chef. This this is a tough challenge. Yeah, yeah, no, it really is. Uh, kind of taking you mentioned, kind of stumbled at the six mile mark of a marathon. Basically, that's where they're at, just about a quarter of the way through the season. How are you feeling about where the Dubs are at? Saying yeah. with the CP3 lower left leg soreness, we'll see what what. The official word is on uh, GP2. And I know it's just game 18, but last night felt like it could be a tide turner yeah. in the Golden State Sacramento rivalry. We kind of where are you at with where everything is right now? Well, you got these vets who are winners, and they'll, they'll talk to the young guys about last night's game. And, uh, you know, you get the Clippers back to back going down there on Saturday. And, you know, you got to be sharp because what they have is very, very good wing play, you know, with Leonard and George. Yeah. But you got to get your game cleaned up, and, and, and that's the big thing. And, and they'll, they'll watch film together and uh, talk to the coaches and all that kind of thing. And that's the beauty of this. you got a coach that will listen to his players, a, a coach that has the respect of his players. And, uh, Kev, I, I told you, what were they, 6-2 and two to start? Six and two, yep. And I, everybody came up to me in Safeway or Lunardi's or wherever the heck I was going to do the grocery shopping, which I love to do. And I, they, they got me. I, I just loved the way they were playing. They looked like the old championship teams. I mean, yep. they were just playing beautiful, beautiful basketball. And you got the Draymond situation and a couple games with Steph and, and you know, other things that happened and, it's kind of gone south a little bit, but I have a lot of belief in these guys. And when you have Steph Curry, uh, just just follow him, and he'll show you the way. Uh, and I, I think they can get it done. You know, nobody said the schedule's easy, but uh, you know they can they can get two here. There's no win them. I think they'll come back tomorrow. You know they got a lot of pride. There's no doubt about it. Look, they're eight and ten through eighteen games. They were eight and ten through eighteen games last season. Obviously, I know last season didn't go the way anybody wanted it to, but they did still, despite that eight and ten start, get to forty four and thirty eight, get out of the first round of the playoffs, and push the Lakers a little bit in the second round. So, look, it, just because an eight and ten start doesn't mean that uh, you know it is all bad. And, and look, Steve Kerr said we're not in free fall mode last night. I tend to agree with him. Do you think, Coach, that yeah. the Warriors are in a free fall? No, no, I, I, I really don't. You, you just, you know, and in some ways, you got to give Sacramento credit. You know, yep. they, a lot. There's a lot of teams in this league 
And this is a credit to Mike Brown. I heard one of the players being interviewed. We're not done. You know, come on, get 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 four stops. You know, get three hoops in a row. This is the verbiage of coaches, yeah. and uh, they believe him, and they hung in there, and they did it. And, and and you know, it wasn't just one guy. You know, you look at Monk, the play he made, and uh, I I I got a lot of respect for what they're doing up there. I, I really really do. And uh, people around the league, uh, you know, think Mike is doing a heck of a job, and. Uh, so, you know, those things happen. You just don't have many, though, when, you, when you're th- that much in front and, and you wind up losing. That, that's, that's a rarity. Yeah, I mean, Steve Kerr mentioned after the game that there's usually one loss a season that where yeah, you just scratch your head is. and, like, how did that happen? And he pointed out the Utah game last year, and that was the loss that came to my mind, too, the, the way they kind of uh, blew that one down the stretch of some kind of quirky things happening late. Simone Fontecchio, the hero of the day uh, for Utah <laughs> in, in, in that game. But, I, I mean, did you feel like when you were coached that there would always be kind of that one game where you scratch your head oh, saying, yeah. by yeah. golly, how did we let this one slip away? Well, Steve's being nice because he's had a fantastic team. I think other guys on a normal team would say you probably got four or five of those during the course <laughs> of the year, where you go, "What the heck happened? How did we? How did we blow this?" And uh, you know that that's the eighty-two games, boy. It tells you who the heck's the best. You know, back in back in when I first started, Kev, some of the playoff series were two out of three, and then yeah. we went three out of five, and then finally the labor negotiations with the Players Association. They all went to four out of seven. But when you play a shorter series, there's no there's no automatic that the better team is going to win. I, I got to be honest, Gary. I love the best of five for the first round. I wish they would bring that back. Yeah, that that's great stuff. Uh, you know, you go two two one, and you know you get the home team gets the uh, the higher record team gets the last game, and uh, you know we we've seen the changes in in the finals. Uh, you know with. Two three two and all that kind of stuff and I don't know what's best there but if you if you're the team that doesn't have the best record and you split the first two and then you got three at home holy yeah. moly and the only reason they did that was because of the Celtics and Boston and the Lakers because they were flying back and forth across the country yeah. and they were probably using propeller planes back then yeah. <laughs> so it was a lot a lot of travel yeah. Yeah, no, it really was. I remember you talk about splitting the first year. I remember the 2004 Detroit Pistons took one in Staples Center and then just won three straight at home. And then the 2012 Miami Heat took one of the first two in Oklahoma City and then won the next three to to take that series in five games. So, yeah, if you could split one of those in the 2-3-2, two, two, uh, that would certainly give you a leg up. Just so before we go to break, one last thing I want to touch on with respect to this game. I, I know that Golden State players have hesitated calling this a rivalry but Gary it sure feels like a rivalry and it feels like maybe the best rivalry in the NBA going right now well our fans may not say it because you know you're the champs and defending champs four championships and you know you say well, what the heck did the Kings do you know we beat them in game seven and all that kind of thing for, for, but let me tell you something those fans 90 miles up the road <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. I mean, when I was with both teams, you know, coaching the Kings and GM down here and coaching also, uh, I'll tell you what, the Kings, we got great fans, but they got great fans up there too. And uh, they're, they're fired up about their team.
Yeah, no, they really, really are. Well, join us live at Chase Center tomorrow, November 30th, as the Dubs take on the L.A. Clippers, presented by Avery Dennison. All fans receive an 11-30-23 commemorative patch. Get your tickets now at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representatives are standing by. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll break down the clip joint. Next two for Golden State against the Clippers. One here, one there. We'll talk about it on the other side of this break, right here on 95.7 The Game. If you've just joined us, don't worry. We saved your seat. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. At the Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Curry behind the back. Wait, stops it, pops on the way. Ridiculous three on the white sideline. Now, here's Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Right, welcome back to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Hit us up, 888-957-9570. If you want to discuss Warriors Shooty Hoop with the Saint and myself, let's take a look at some upcoming broadcasts presented by Ticketmaster. Tomorrow, the Warriors host the L.A. Clippers, 6.30 on air, 7 p.m. tip time. That game presented by Avery Dennison on 95.7 The Game. Then they're in L.A. Saturday, 1 p.m. tip time, 12.30 on the air with Tim Roy on 95.7 The Game. Then uh, there are two uh, kind of quote-unquote quote, makeup games for not making the in-season tournament. First, <laughs> Wednesday against the Portland Trailblazers, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time, get a chance to see Scoot Henderson, the number three pick in action. And then it's December 8th, Friday at the Thunder, not an easy one there. 5 p.m. tip time, 4.30 on the air on 95.7. And then it's to Phoenix, December 12th, Tuesday, December 12th, taking on the Suns, 6.30 airtime, 7 p.m. tip time on 95.7. The game, Tim Roy on the call for you there. So let's talk a little bit about the clip joint. You were discussing them a little bit earlier, Gary. 7-9 and nine right now. They are currently 11th in the West, just behind Golden State due to percentage points, but this is a team that is coming off a really bad loss to Denver. They were up in the fourth quarter. They gave up a fourth quarter lead to a Nuggets team that didn't have Nikola Jokic, didn't have Jamal Murray, didn't have Aaron Gordon. I mean, they dusted off DeAndre Jordan. He went for 21-13. and 13. Reggie Jackson had 30-plus in that game. I think he might have had 35 in that game. Just, I mean, they are not in good shape right now, the Clippers. Jackson and Jordan are collecting Social Security. <laughs> I mean, you know what? For them to have those kind of nights, it, it, it's just crazy. Uh, and you know what? After the game, all the Clippers people were were hugging uh, Jackson. You know, he he's a BC yeah. guy and a good guy. I've known him since he was a young guy. So that was a big game for him. And, you know, that that's why you have vets on your team, uh, guys like Jordan. That, that's pretty cool to me. And, uh, you know, that, that's what goes on in our league. You know, of course, I'm, I'm watching the Suns in Toronto. So Toronto plays last night against Brooklyn. They have plane problems. They don't get in until 4.30 in the morning. Ouch. Well, there's a minute and 23 left, and who's up? Toronto. And, and they're up 108-105. And, uh, you know, I'm watching the game, and Toronto's just a better team. <laughs> the Suns aren't going to win. <laughs> it, it's, it's amazing what you watch the NBA. It really is. 
Anybody can win on any given night. I'm watching the Pelicans and Sixers right now. That really has been a from the start. Pelicans are up 29 in the third quarter. Now, Joel Embiid is not playing tonight, so that certainly has some to do with it. But the Pelicans just pounded them inside, and they really haven't stopped. I mean, uh, when I was was really paying attention to the game, Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson were just going to work. There was no Embiid, so they were throwing Mo Bamba out there, Paul Reed out there. They started small. I think Marcus Morris was uh, their five to start uh and yeah it just didn't go well but the 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 Sixers are the 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 team that obviously the Clippers made the blockbuster trade with for James Harden and and look you know some of those guys Robert Covington and and Nick Batum are in the Sixers rotation right now I think that trade really worked out actually pretty well for the Philadelphia 76ers it has allowed Tyrese Maxey to grow and and then there's just been growing pains for for the Clippers like in the James Harden era they lost their first five games they've won four of six but they're still just four and seven with Harden in the lineup do you feel a little desperation by the organization, you know, that they're going to yes. be going into this mega arena next year, I think it is. Yep. And they're they're looking at the rest of the West and they're saying, "Well, we got to get better." And uh in the meantime, Harden leaving has opened the door for Maxi and he's emerging as a young star. And Maxie's a guy. Have you heard those commercials for the NBA and he's speaking about the kids and everything and this guy, you know, he's like Shea Gildress-Alexander. We, we, the league is in good shape with young players, and they're yeah. good people, good young people, and I love that. And uh, so Philadelphia's done well, and it's given Harris more of an opportunity, and, that, you know, I, I think they're good. They're all, their only problem is Boston, and Boston's yeah. in front of them, and, and they're a better team. And, you know, I, I just think Milwaukee comes down to one guy, and that's Middleton. If he can't play at a high level – uh, Milwaukee's not going to win. So uh, it's pretty simple in the East. But out here, holy moly. Yeah, and to bring it back to the Clippers, I mean, now you have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You got guys who are used to playing with a ball in their hands, four of them, in their early to mid-30s, and it does not seem like a recipe for success, if you ask me. No, I, I'm in agreement with you, uh, totally. And, you know, I don't know, Harden's ego, I, I, I credit Westbrook. I, I've not been a fan of his all, all his career with his theatrics, but, uh, you know, he's, he's the great athlete, and he's willing to come off the bench, and that, that speaks volumes to me. But, you know, Harden, he, he's not the same player. I mean, he's just not. He, the father time yeah. is catching up with him. And uh, we know what's admirable. Uh, George and Leonard have played every game. Yes. Uh, you know, so kudos to them. And uh, I don't know. They've got a long way to go, and maybe they can get it right. But, um, you know, Zubik touches the ball like once out of 15 possessions. And, you know, Powell's coming off the bench. They're talking about maybe trading him. And you know, so I look at this team, and they're kind of – they're a long way from finding themselves. Yeah, and I mean the concern with me with a team like this is that if you're the, if you're the Clips is that it turns into a your turn my turn kind of offense. Yes, and wouldn't yes. that make them pretty easy to guard? Yes, and and you know what? And listen, a great point. Isolation teams are now easier to guard, and I'll tell you something. What you're going to see now at the end of quarters and the end of games, 
Mike Brown putting that one-two-two half-court zone in, and as soon as Steph crosses half-court, they're going to go and double-team him to get it out of his hands and make somebody else beat him. And you might have a non-shooter on the floor. Maybe the, the guy's a good shooter and he gets a good shot, but they've seen enough. You know, he, he's, Steph, Steph has been phenomenal. So you just can't play him straight up. Yeah. And, and these are the schemes that you're going to see. So when you play isolation basketball, it allows you to define your rotations. Where are you going to double from? You're going to double from the top. You're going to double from the wing. You're going to double from the baseline, wherever the ball is. And uh, you're much easier to guard when you isolate. That's why the Warriors have been so gosh darn good over the years. And Steve preaches this. Ball movement and people movement. And it's a fun game to play. It really, really is. When Let the ball do the work. And I, I commend Clay because the last few games, he was forcing some shots. He, he yeah. wasn't happy. But yet he now he, the ball's moving, and, and he benefits from that in a big-time way. And, he, and I watched him knock four open threes down last week or whatever it was. And I said, hey, there's the guy. You know, let, don't bury him. He, he's, you know, it's been a rough run. You tell me who's come back from that in, those two injuries and flourished at that level. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, now Clay has scored at least 20 in three of his last four, so hopefully that's a trend yeah. he can continue to, to keep up. And, and Saint, you, know, you, you talked a little bit about what, what the Clippers might be doing defensively. What, what do you see as being some keys? Now, officially ruled out, Chris Paul and Gary Payton II have been officially okay. ruled out for tomorrow's game, but what do you see as being some keys for Golden State tomorrow? Well, they've got to defend the wings, uh, so it's going to put a lot of pressure. You know, Moody will be playing more. Kamingo will yep. be in there with minutes. And, uh, you know, Clay, these guys, it, it's a tough challenge. You know, Le- Leonard is so strong. I mean, you, you look, you, yeah. you don't see it. Just, just watch him create space. Oh, People yeah. bounce off of him. He is raw, raw, strong. And George has really, really played well. To this day, though, I do think <laughs> getting Shea Gilgis Alexander for him, oy, 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 yeah. what a steal. So, you know, those two guys are playing well. The question mark is, is these two other guys. I, I can't tell you what Westbrook and Harden are going to do. If they, if they bring a good game, they're going to they're gonna be hard to beat. But, you know, if you contain them and, and you know, know what they're going to do, know that uh, Harden wants to dribble, 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 and get on that left elbow and get something going there. You play him. You got to have hands up, and make Westbrook beat you over the top. Make him make shots. Don't give him angles to get to the rim. You know, those are simple things on, on those those four guys. And uh, you know, they'll be well prepared. I, I this is a game they can win. Uh, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind. And if you win tomorrow night, you get a little momentum to go play them again on Saturday. Yeah, and, and look with these, you know, back-to-back sets with teams. The the thinking is more often than not they end up in splits. Well, they didn't really end up in splits for Golden State when they had Minnesota and Oklahoma City coming to town. So they got to they got to sweep. Uh, they got to sweep. Maybe not this one, but they got to start, you know, winning more than just one every other game. They got to start making some uh, room up in the standings. Well, there's no doubt about it, but I, I, I still have faith. And uh, you know, you, you look at some other teams, and you're going, holy moly! You know, they're starting to find the white flag, but not these guys. There's a long, long ways to go. 
Well, that'll do it for us tonight. A big thank you to R.C. Davis, the executive producer of this show, Marika Kleto handing over the promotions, and Mark Grandy behind the glass. Big game for his Ducks. This Friday in Vegas, <laughs> Sko Ducks against the Dogs. And it, finally, it looks like a Pac-12 team will get in the college football playoff in the last year. For Gary St. Jean, I'm Kevin Dana saying it's so long. We will talk to you next week. You've been listening to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Have a great evening, everyone. You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry brings it through. One hand three. Up and good. The exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. Playful and nailed it. 95.7 The Game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.